You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Next time I'll dismiss uh, according to age or hair color or... Everyone out! Watch the gluten-free! Don't trample each other! Good morning. It's good to be with you on this Easter day, this resurrection day, the cornerstone of our faith, when we surround ourselves with the great mystery of what it means that Christ is alive. So I invite you to stand as we jump into our gospel reading. Will you stand for the reading of the gospel? Our gospel reading for today is from the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, beginning with the first verse. It will be on the screens, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
You may be seated. What do you see when you look at the world? What is your default setting when you look at the world? Is your glass half full? Is your glass half empty? Does it depend on what's in the glass to begin with? For example, when you see a blank sheet of paper, what do you see? Do you see void? Do you see absence? Do you see something that should have been completed but wasn't? Or do you look at a blank sheet of paper and recognize that it is nearly infinite possibility? Anything can be written on this sheet of paper. Any story that we could create, that blank sheet of paper uh, represents infinite possibility. What do you see when you look at the world? Resurrection Day, Easter, reminds us that we should pay particular attention to the way we see the world. Jesus' first words in the Gospel of John are, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? This is how it goes. It says, the next day, John, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, the next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and he watched Jesus walk by, and he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? It's a good question. Well, it's not a bad question. If Jesus turned and asked us, what are we looking for? What would our answer be? What would you reply? What are you looking for? When Christy and I moved uh, to Bossier about three years ago, uh, what are you looking for? Well, we were looking for a good home and a good neighborhood and a good school and a good church and good people to surround ourselves with. What are you looking for? It's, not, it's, it's, it's a good question. Well, it's not a bad question. It's like uh, Elijah. Elijah went up the mountain in its First Kings chapter 19. And Elijah's up on the mountain and there was a, a great uh, uh, wind and there was an earthquake and there was a great fire. But the Lord was not in any of that. Elijah shrouded himself with his cloak and then he heard the sound of, as scripture says, a sheer silence. But then Elijah heard a question. He heard the Lord say, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah? What are you doing? What a great question for us to ask with our one precious life. What are we doing here? What is our purpose? What is our role? It's kind of like Jesus asking the disciples, what are you looking for? Now, in John's gospel, what are you looking for? The disciples reply saying, where are you staying? Or another way to put that is, where do you abide Where do you abide? And then Jesus says, come and see. Come 
and see. It'd be one thing if Jesus said, uh, I stay over there, or I live in Dogwood South, or I'll tell you next week, or I don't really want to share it, so I'm going to go in silent mode on Snapchat so you cannot find where I go. He said, come and see, which necessitates that Jesus came and went with them. Where do you stay? Where do you abide? Well, come and see. What are you looking for? It's a good question. Well, it's not a bad question. When we look at John's gospel, we see one particular story. And this story is told over and over and over again. In the gospel of John, John really tells one story. He tells the story of resurrection It's just that John tells that story in lots of different ways over and over and over again. In a way, the Gospel of John, the stories in the Gospel of John are like a pearl. They're like a treasure. They are precious. And then John strings them together to create a magnificent work of art revealing to us who this Christ is. It almost doesn't matter where you begin in the Gospel of John. Because at every turn, with every story... We hear the same resurrection story, though we might not be aware of it while we are reading. At least the stories that John tells are told through a lens of resurrection. When we go to the tomb, when we hear Mary at the tomb, this story should sound familiar as if we have read it somewhere before. And if you're reading from the beginning of the Gospel of John all the way to the resurrection, this story sounds like home. You're reading it for the first time, but it's, it's familiar. For example, there's a particular miracle in the Gospel of John outside of the resurrection that is very important. It is something that Jesus is known for. It's something that Jesus is recognized for throughout Galilee. It's in John chapter 9. And it's the story of Jesus healing a blind man. It's funny. So uh, there's a man who was born blind, and the disciples are walking with Jesus, and they ask him an interesting question. Jesus, was it this man's sin that caused his blindness, or was it his parents' sin that caused his blindness? And Jesus said, I'm paraphrasing, but that's not how this works. He says, what you're going to see is, is the glory of God. You're about to see the glory of God. And Jesus says, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And he spits in the ground, and he makes mud, and he puts mud on his eyes. And he tells the man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Go and wash in being sent in the world. Go and be sent out. And the man does. And the man can see. And nothing like this had ever happened before. So people were curious as to why this had happened. And they started asking this man what had happened. So we start in John chapter 9, and it'll be on the screen there. They asked him, what happened? What did you do? Who was it that healed you? And he said, I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, asking who did it, uh, where is he? And the man said, I, I don't know. 
It's a bit of a funny line because this man has been blind since birth and he just received his sight and they asked him, who did it? And he's like, really? I've, I've been blind all of my life. I, I didn't see who did it. I'm sorry. I don't know who it, who it was. We have a curious parallel in John chapter 20 when Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. Mary came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. And she goes and tells the disciples, we don't know where they have laid him. In other words, both of these characters, they see, but only a little. The blind man could see, but didn't know where Jesus was. Mary came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away, but she did not know where Jesus was. They can see, but Jesus is still not there. Or at least, they can't see him. So the man that received his sight in John chapter 9, the Pharisees start questioning his parents. Uh, was, is this really your son? Is he trying to pull a fast one on us? Because uh, he can see now. That's, that's weird. Is that your son? Yes, it's our son. Was he blind? Yes, he was blind. How does he have sight? We have no idea. Uh, you go ask him. He is of age. And they keep asking this man over and over again, what happened? What did he do? Who is this person? We've never seen this before. And this is what he says uh, later in chapter 9. He goes, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. And you know, he is a prophet. So here, this man, he's explaining it again, and he sees just a little bit more of who Jesus is. At least he says, you know, maybe this Jesus, maybe he's a prophet, not just a healer, but a prophet of God. He can see just, it's kind of, like, kind of like when Jesus was with the disciples and he said, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, people say that you're a prophet or you're Elijah or you're a great teacher. It's close. It's close, but it's not quite there. The same is true. Uh, Mary goes and tells the beloved disciple and Peter that she doesn't know where Jesus is. So they run to the tomb. And we could tell which one was doing CrossFit because the beloved disciple got to the tomb first. They both started at the same time. I love it. And it says Peter was there, like coming, you know. So uh, the, the beloved disciple uh, got to the tomb first, but he didn't go in. And then they waited. And then Peter arrived uh, to the tomb. And Peter goes in. Peter goes in and says he bent down and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. So he saw just a little bit more. Mary saw that Jesus wasn't there. But now Peter sees that there are linen wrappings that are there. And then the beloved disciple who got there first, who was just doing his stretches while waiting for Peter, he goes into the tomb and he sees the linen wrappings and the cloth. Do you see? They're seeing more. They're seeing more with each verse. And it says that the beloved disciple saw and believed. But what is it that he Believed. He did not believe that Jesus had been raised because the next verse says they didn't understand that yet. He saw and believed what Mary had said, that Jesus wasn't there. Saw and be- Just like the man saying, I see, but he must, Jesus must be a prophet. This person must be a prophet. They see and believe that he's not there. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. Later in the Gospel of John, Uh, the man who had been born blind. Uh, Jesus hears that they have shut this man out of the temple uh, because uh, he cannot confess. He doesn't know who Jesus is. And he started teaching the prophets. I mean, he started teaching the Pharisees about who Jesus is. I love this. The Pharisees keep asking all these questions about Jesus. uh, And the man who had received his sight said, well, you're really, 
you really seem obsessed with this Jesus person. Do you want to be his disciple too? And that just really, you want to burn the biscuits of a Pharisee. Just tell them, oh, well, you seem really obsessed with Jesus. You must want to follow him too. So they shut him out of the temple. When Jesus hears this, Jesus comes back. Underline that. Jesus comes back into the story. And Jesus is upset. Jesus gets mad in the Gospels. He has a holy and righteous anger. But he only gets mad when people are being abused. The man was shut out. So Jesus comes back into the story. And he goes to the man and he says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And I love it. The man is saying, Yes, but who is he? (laughs) Who is this person? And Jesus says something curious. Jesus says, You have seen him. Now, remember, the man was blind. He doesn't know who Jesus is, where he was. Maybe he's a prophet. I'm not sure. Jesus says, you have seen him. There's something more to sight than our eyes. You have seen him. And the one speaking with you is he. And then finally, this man. His journey began with, I don't know where, I don't know where he is. Uh, Maybe he's a prophet. He finally ends with saying, Lord, Lord, I believe. And then we flip back to John chapter 20 of this resurrection account. Mary is outside of the tomb and she sees Jesus, but she does not recognize him. It's like when Jesus speaks to the man and says, do you believe in the son of man? Well, who is he? He's looking at Jesus and he says, who is he? Mary is looking at Jesus and she does not recognize him until until he says her name and there is something about the good shepherd calling us by name which brings us home. Mary, he says. And she turned and she said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means Rabbi. She's filled with joy. Though she wants to hold on to Jesus, don't hold on to me, I'm ascending to the Father, but go and tell them that I am ascending to my God and your God, my Father, your Father. So she goes, and here's the language, she went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord Sometimes it's confusing when you come face to face with the resurrected Lord. The blind man experienced a miracle but doesn't fully understand it. Mary is at the tomb and sees that it's empty but doesn't quite understand what it means. Peter, Peter who walked with Jesus said, I will follow you unto death. But then he denies and he flees until he is there on the lake shore when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord. You know I do. Or Elijah. Elijah went up the mountaintop and there was a a wind and an earthquake and a fire, but God was not in any of those and he he clothes himself with with his shroud. Elijah, what are you doing here? Until Elijah saw the chariots of fire that came down from heaven to bring him back to heaven and Elijah recognized that the mountaintop was not his true Home Or Paul, the Apostle Paul was walking to the, on the road to Damascus uh, and he had an experience with the risen Lord and he was blind and he spent three years in Arabia trying to figure out what this 
meant. Or, or when Jesus goes to the home of Lazarus, which is in John chapter 11. He hears that Lazarus is sick, but Jesus lingers for two days. And by the time he gets to the tomb, Lazarus is dead. And Mary, his sister, Martha, well, both of them ask it. Martha comes to Jesus first and says, why, why, why are you here? He's already dead. There's nothing now that you can do. And then Jesus says, I am the resurrection, Lazarus come out. The Gospel of John keeps telling the same story over and over and over again in different ways, like a string of pearls, a treasure to behold. When there is an experience of Christ, there is initially some confusion. And it's because the resurrection changes our question. The Gospel of John begins with, what are you looking for? Because that is our default setting. What are you looking for? Jesus meets us where we are, but what we are looking for is not a resurrection kind of question. Mary uh, experiences the miracle of the empty tomb, but she is confused. She is in despair. She is finding anyone who would stick around long enough for her to talk to. Have you been in that place? Have you been in a place of despair, in a place of frustration, and all you're asking is for someone to stick around long enough to hear your story? That's where Mary is. She is looking for what? What am I going to do if Jesus isn't here? And then he hears her say, Mary. And Jesus asks her a new question. Whom are you looking for? The question after the resurrection has changed. The gospel began with what? And now at the empty tomb, it is who? Whom are you looking for? If we're only searching for what, our search will be frustrating and confusing, never ending. What isn't a bad question? It's just not a resurrection question. It's just not the first question that we should ask. Whom are you looking for? You know, uh, this question, whom are you looking for, doesn't make much sense unless there is a resurrection. In other words, we don't say that Christ did rise or Christ was risen. We say Christ is risen. Christ is alive, which means the question, whom are you looking for, will always be relevant, it will always be with us, and it will always offer us life. Whom are you looking for? So, where have you seen the risen Lord? Where have you experienced resurrection Where have you seen evidence that death is not the end of our story? Where have you seen sight being restored? Where have you seen inexplicable goodness? Where have you seen a peace that surpasses all understanding? Where have you seen the Lord? And if this is a difficult question, if this is difficult to answer, then maybe we should change the question we are asking. Last night, uh, we had the Rawl 
family annual Easter movie night. Uh, and we gathered uh, on a Saturday night. It's kind of our own little vigil. Uh, and we watched uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, don't judge me. I, I know that I know, I know it's not a one-for-one retelling of the gospel. I'm aware. But there's just something about, you know, Jesus getting mad and going to the temple. My temple should be a house of prayer. But you are made out of den of thieves. There's something awesomely blood-curdling about that. It's so great. So we're watching, as we do, uh, Jesus Christ Superstar on Saturday b- before Easter. Um, and uh, bless her heart, Annalie fell asleep. And uh, Isabel, who was like, I'm dead, I'm dead. You know. I mean, she's, she's seen it for... Uh, would you sit up, by the way? You don't need to nap right now. Yeah, that's good. Sorry, Daddy's a preacher. He sees all. <laughs> But Cecilia, Cecilia, my six-year-old, was like tractor beam watching all of it. And she, well, she's six, and she started asking questions. Like, uh, Daddy, is that really Jesus? Like, well, no, it's an actor. Like, okay. Um, does, uh, I love this question. She goes, did Jesus die once, or does he die over and over again? Oh, but that's a sermon. Mm, you got to unpack that one. That's so good. Six-year-olds ask questions that we grown-ups have forgotten to ask. Daddy, if Jesus is in heaven with God, how is Jesus also in my heart? We forget to ask these questions. But here's Cecilia, man, tractor beam, watching this whole thing. And at the end, Jesus dies, and then all of the actors uh, get on the bus (laughs) and drive out of the Holy Land. And they have this beautiful sunset with the cross, and you hear, um, da And then the screen goes dark, and the credits start to roll. And then Cecilia crossed her arms, gave a Cecilia kind of face. She goes, Dad, where's Easter? Where's Easter? Where's the resurrection? It's a great question. May we never tire in searching for resurrection. May we never tire seeking out inexplicable goodness. May we never tire seeking grace and mercy and abundant life. May we never tire of looking for the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and most loving God, we give you thanks that you are alive, that you are risen, that you are with us. We invite by the power of the Holy Spirit to change our question from seeking what of the world to seeking the who that created it. Let us no longer be slaves to the what, but servants of the who your companions, your followers, and also your friends. 
May we have ears to hear when you call us by name. Help us to turn and face you so that we might receive abundant and everlasting life. Lord, may you never get tired of us as we, in your mercy, never tire of you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.